following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. If you will, this morning, turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And we'll begin in verse 1. Acts 13 and uh, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Hetrarch, been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So it, I'd like to preach on the subject from this passage of Scripture the unlikely missionaries, the unlikely missionaries. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we consider this subject this morning, God, thank you for uh, the insight that we can have through thy word. I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help uh, burden us for the need of missions and missionaries and the lost souls around us. And Father, whether they be in foreign lands or whether they be in our land, our town, our home, God, burden us, help us, Father, to remember that as we look for the Lord to come, Father, help us to be occupied in those things which are important, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the unlikely missionaries. Now, here in our text, we see an example of the great commission given by our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 28. We see it at work in play in in another church, in the church in Antioch. Look with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we'll begin in verse 16, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16, the Bible says there, then the eleven disciples went away into into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now these eleven apostles were first in the, in the, the Lord's church, first as, as leaders and what have you. The church was already in existence during this time. This is a great commission given to the local church in Jerusalem. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The phrase teach all nations means to preach the gospel. As Mark 16 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And it goes on to say here, uh, that uh, baptizing them, or those converts, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the world. Amen. He's, and the Lord was sending these, uh, this church and those from this church to preach the gospel, win the lost, baptize the converts, organize them into local churches whereby they could continue the ministry of the gospel. Christ said in Matthew 16... Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, not Pope, Peter, a little rock, if you will, and upon this rock, speaking of himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. Peter was a part of the foundation. He was not the chief cornerstone, but nonetheless, he was a part of the first church in Jerusalem And God promised perpetuity for the ministry of the gospel, not with 11 apostles, but rather with his church that he established during his own personal ministry. In our text, in Acts 13, we see that ministry being played out in another city, in Antioch, where Saul of Tarsus was. But, you know, that's referring back to a time in antiquity in the past. 
I want us to bring us up to date as far as a New Testament uh, missions in our day. It continues on and has continued. The church has never failed to preach the gospel, has never failed to do the work that God called it into existence to do. As such, we support other missionaries of like faith and practice that are doing the same work. We support Paul and Sandy Burbage. They're out of Chinogan Baptist Church of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. They're church planting missionaries to Nova Scotia, Canada. Here in this latest letter, it says, To our partner churches, he says here in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 7, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then he refers to himself and his, he says, but we, says here, we are, we are but earthen vessels. We are so humbled by God's gracious use of us in his great work of preaching the gospel, making disciples and establishing New Testament churches with the ministry of the word of God and prayer comes both joys and sorrows. He said, we rejoice at the growth of the disciples here in, here in doctrine and in their, and their walk with God. He says, please continue to pray uh, for Ben and, and Bitna and Lisandro. I hope I'm pronouncing those names right. One of our heartbreaks of the ministry is witnessing people under conviction, but who then pull back from the word and grace of God in their lives. Please continue to pray for Connor, the young man with whom I have been having Bible study. His girlfriend, Courtney, has decided she has no interest in the gospel, and Connor is at a place of decision uh, for Christ. He says, and he goes on to say, No doubt you have heard many things about the political situation here in Canada. The large truck convoys protest against the uh, gross government overrunning of civil liberties were put down uh, by heretofore unheard of totalitarian measures. Martial law was enacted to put down peaceful protests that only included some slight uh, civil disobedience, such as parking violations. A few of the leaders of these uh, protests have been arrested and jailed for political reasons. As to my knowledge, there was no, never any criminal wrongdoing. On something of a positive note, uh, most provinces in Canada have or are soon to, be to, uh, to lift their states of emergencies after almost two years, vaccine passports have been discontinued, and here in Nova Scotia, all restrictions are scheduled to be lifted by March 21st. By God's grace, the gates of hell shall not prevail as we march forward with the gospel. The mission church here will continue, uh, here continues to meet, and the disciples are getting spiritually stronger as they learn to live for Christ, when doing so is becoming ever more uh, over overtly unacceptable to the society around us. Uh, with, uh, <clears throat> with the spring upon us, we are looking forward to resumption of our door-to-door work. Uh, please pray and stand fast. Uh, please pray and stand fast in the word and grace of our great God and Savior. Our labor is not in vain. Thank you for praying for us and your faithful investment in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a missionary we support and have supported for some time working to establish churches in Nova Scotia. Difficult place, and yet he's doing uh, the work of missions. Even as we see going on in our text in Acts 13, looking back there with me, if you will, Acts 13, and verse 1, Acts 13 and 1. Now there were in the church... That was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, and as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger and Lucian, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away, which is the practice of New Testament Baptist churches. As God calls men, raises them up, we train them, we send them forth. And when we don't have one, and when we can, we help support other missionaries of like faith and practice to do that work. Now, amongst these folks, one man stood out 
that I, in my estimation, in the, in the person of Saul of Tarsus, I looked at him as being an unlikely missionary candidate. If you say the word unlikely means improbable, such as cannot be reasonably expected as an unlikely event, and as a missionary candidate, one who was sent by the local church to preach the gospel, baptize the converts, and organize the converts and establish local churches. Now, he is the first of the unlikely uh, missionaries, uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus. And you say, why is Saul unlikely? Well, when you consider his past. Look with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. There would have been a time when no one would have imagined that Saul of Tarsus would have ever even gotten saved, much less one day become a missionary preaching the gospel and, and baptizing the converts, establishing churches. In 1 Timothy 1.11, uh, Paul writes here, according to the glorious, uh, verse 12, I should say, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in an unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Albeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on, on him to life everlasting. Now unto, unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He is an unlikely candidate when you consider his past, where he came from. There was a time, I'm sure there was a time when no one could have imagined that Saul of Tarsus, the great persecutor, would have ever gotten saved by the grace of God. Look back to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Again, again considering Saul and his past and his behavior... In Acts chapter 7, as Stephen, one of the first deacons in the church in Jerusalem, is preaching to a large group of Jews here, he, he, he uh, begins to wind up the message in verse 51. He says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which have showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. This is the same Saul we find in Acts chapter 13 before his conversion. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died if you will. And Saul, chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death, meaning he agreed with what was going on. He, he held the coats of them that stoned him to death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing uh, men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. You know, here's, here's Saul of Tarsus persecuting Christians, persecuting members of the church in Jerusalem, forcing them to be scattered abroad, preaching the word of God. But he endeavored to destroy the work of God, the faith of God. This Saul of Tarsus, we read in Acts 13 if you will, Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, <clears throat> yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples, the Lord went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. 
And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. We know that he went into the city of Damascus. Ananias was led of God to, to baptize him and to, to tell him that God was going to use him mightily in the work of God. But what a past. And as a matter of fact, when the Lord appeared to Ananias, if you look over there, <clears throat> verse 10, he says, And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. I believe it was the pastor there of the church. To him said the Lord in a vision, and Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said, And arise and go into the city, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I mean, what an amazing thing. Saul of Tarsus, who would have imagined Saul of Tarsus would get saved? And yet he did get saved. And even when the Lord spoke to Ananias about baptizing them and helping him in his ministry, he struggled with it. Look at me to Galatians 1. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. <clears throat> And look at verse 21, Galatians 1 and verse 21. Galatians 1 and verse 21. As we're speaking about the unlikely missionaries, and the first of the unlikely missionaries is Saul of Tarsus, as we've seen in Acts 13, 1 through 3. We say, well, why is he unlikely to be a missionary? Well, he was a pers great persecutor of the church and Christians. And in Galatians 1 and 21, And afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face in the churches of Judea, which were in Christ Jesus. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in time past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. What an amazing thing, folks, when someone gets saved by the grace of God, and they become a vessel used by God to be a missionary for the Lord, to preach the gospel, to share the gospel with other folks. And what an amazing thing when he did get saved. You know, he was one of the greatest missionaries that has ever lived, and he had at one time been one of the greatest persecutors of Christians and Christianity who had ever lived. As we're talking about unlikely missionaries, I want to see a second unlikely missionary. Look, if you will, to Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> now, not in every case are these who I'm going to speak of, those that actually went out and did missionary work in the sense of preaching the gospel and establishing churches. But we find here in Mark chapter 5 the second unlikely missionary, and that is the maniac of Gadara the maniac of Gadara. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Mark chapter 5 and beginning in verse 1. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, but uh, that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus uh, afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by, by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. <clears throat> and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us unto the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, 
and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down into a, a, down a steep place into the sea, and there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine uh, fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they uh, went out to see what, what, what it was that was done. Now, what an amazing thing is going on here. Here's a man who seems to be possessed by 2,000 demons. You know, you would think one is bad enough. This man is possessed of 2,000 demons. Christ cast out the demons, and this man has come to, Christ has come to him. He's received Christ. Christ has cast out the demons, and a miracle is taking place. The demons head into the swine. The swine go out into the lake. They're, they're drowned and what have you. But what do we have left behind? Well, before we had a man that was in the tombs, cutting himself, living there day and night, couldn't be bound, and they tried to bind him. He plucked ch uh, chains asunder, tore them apart, tore any binding that they put on him, just tore it apart. His life was ruined by Satan, was ruined by sin, and here he is a mess, and Christ comes to him, and he's saved by the grace of God. You know, the Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah, amen. But in verse 15, what's the result of all of this? And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed of the devil and had a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. You know, folks, when someone gets saved by the grace of God, they go, they go from being a, 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 sometimes a maniac, strange and out of control lives, to someone who finally seems to be calm, and this man is sitting and clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Christ. A miracle of God has taken place. No one could tame him. He couldn't tame himself. He couldn't take a program, a social program, that would tame the problems that he had. It took Christ to do that for him. In verse 16, And they that saw told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began him, or Christ, to depart out of their coast. You know, they're so upset by this whole deal, even though a great goodness was done to this man, and really to the whole community. You know, the whole town was blessed by it. They were afraid of what's happened. Because they, they witnessed the mighty power of God to change a man's life, to cast out the devil and to change his life. And they, they say, please leave. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devils prayed him that he might be with him. This man wanted to go on to follow the Lord. He said, listen, you've done so much for me. Let me follow you. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. You know, what an amazing thing has happened. Here's a man who could not have done anything for himself. And don't, you know, don't kid yourself. Sin, the Bible says, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin allowed to, uh, to take its full course will destroy everything about your life, given time. But here's a man who's rescued by our Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's delivered of the devil delivered from the devil, the demons. He's, he's now in his right mind. And you know what? He wants to be with the Lord. But do you know what the Lord did? You know what a missionary, in a sense, is simply this, a sent one. One sent from God to share the truth of the gospel. You know, folks, every member of the local church, every Christian should be involved in being, in a sense, a missionary. God would send you. The reason you're here, you know, why is it that God doesn't save us by his grace and take us home immediately? There are times I've wished, you know, take me home. <laughs> Let's get me out of here. The Lord says, no, I've left you behind for a reason. There are people that need to know what I have done for you and that I can do that for them. He said, go tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. What a blessing, folks, to see when someone's saved by the grace of God. And you know what, folks? We, I don't know that he ever became a full-fledged missionary like Saul of Tarsus, but I'll tell you something. He did what he could. He spoke up for, uh, uh, for the Lord, sent by the Lord as, if you will, an unlikely missionary, if you will, Romans, excuse me, John chapter 8. 
John chapter 8. He was one who was delivered from bondage. You know, they couldn't bind him physically, but he was already a candidate for spiritual bondage like not many people have, have experienced. In John 8 and 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. A servant is one who is in bondage to another. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Folks, there's no one that can deliver from the bondage of sin but our Lord Jesus Christ. When we, when we see Christ as our Savior, our Deliverer, and by faith we flee to Him, we trust Him, we take Him as our Lord and Savior, we are free, the Bible says, from sin like no other way can be had. If you will, thirdly, let's see the third unlikely missionary and it's the woman at the well. Look with me to John 4. John chapter 4. A woman missionary? You know, I have had over the course of our ministry here, several women contact me, and they speak as if they are missionaries. Now, I've got nothing against women. I married one, amen. Been married to her for 37 years. And now there are times when she's had some things against me. Usually it's a big stick against my head, amen, trying to trying to keep me in line, but uh, nothing against women. But God doesn't uh, call women to preach. God doesn't call women to be missionaries in the same sense that he does men. But here we find a missionary in this woman, if you will, in John 4, John chapter 4. And look at verse 4. The Lord is on his way through Samaria. He says, and again, he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now understand this. She's come at a time when the rest of the women aren't there. Christ is there on purpose because he knows she was going to be there, but she's not there with the rest of the women. She is there one as a woman who was outcast because of sin. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said <clears throat> unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith that he give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But, the water that, uh, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up, uh, springing up unto everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And understand <clears throat> on one hand, she's struggling with understanding what he's talking about. He's not talking about the water in the well, but he is talking about the living water, the Holy Spirit the, and the new birth in Jesus Christ. And uh, she says, sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Understand this, in her past life, she has tried to satisfy the thirst, the longings of her flesh and spirit with nothing but the flesh. And she's not been satisfied. She says, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now this is a tough question because Christ is addressing, because Christ as God is addressing her sin. The woman, <clears throat> the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Now she's being honest. She's being honest and Jesus knows it. Verse 18, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that thou saidst truly. She had been guilty of adultery five times 
She had been divorced and remarried five times, and the Lord said, you know what, the guy you're living with is not your husband either. He's dealing with her sin. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Yeah. Only God could have known, or a prophet of God could have known what was going on. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith to him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went uh, her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? See, folks, the Lord got through to her. Even though she had lived a life of sin and immorality, Christ had her attention. Christ helped her to face her sin and helped her to have a remedy for it. The remedy for her sin was the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world. And she said, when Messiah cometh, he'll tell us all things. And he looked at her and said, I that speak unto thee am he. She went her way afterward, and she went to talk to the, you know, the men would talk to her because she was an immoral woman. But when she went to talk to them now, she had a different message She had a different heart than she did before uh, Christ had come to her life and come into her life. It's obvious she's put her faith and trust in Christ. And she says, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did before. Is not this the Christ? You know, she begins to be, uh, if you will, a missionary. She begins, to send, she begins to tell people about the Christ that can satisfy, the Christ that can save us by his grace, the Christ that can change our lives, even as it changed this woman's life. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Christ wasn't offering her another religion. She already had religion. Religion wasn't doing her any good. She was lost in sin and immoral because of it. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, and let's look at verse 11. I like this verse of scripture, amen. Now you pay attention, ladies. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. That means a woman can never say boo in church. Now, he's talking about, though, what he's speaking of is teaching and leading. He goes on to say, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp the authority over, over the man, but is to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. He's basically saying, listen, women don't have any place to teach and preach the word of God. But she can, a woman can share with others the great things that God has done for them. And sometimes I think people get saved out of great wickedness and great sin and they imagine, can I be used of God to share the truth? Can I be used of God to help people come to Christ? And the answer to that is yes. The answer to that is yes. I don't care what we've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how immoral or how bad you've been. When God in his grace and mercy saves you by his grace, when you put your complete faith and trust in what he did for you, when he suffered on the cross of Calvary, shed his precious blood to forgive you of sins. Folks, you know what he did? He, he did all that to give you a new life. The Bible says, if any man being Christ is a new creature, and it's not just men. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You have an opportunity to be used of God, in a sense, to be a missionary. Within your church, go out and share the truth of the gospel with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whatever. 
And folks, you know what? Don't let anyone tell you that you can't. Don't anyone t tell you. You know, some, you may run across someone that says, well, I know what you're like. That was then, and this is now. That was then, and this is now. I'm different. I'm changed. And I'm different. I'm changed because of Christ. And let's see, if you will, the fourth and last missionary I'm going to talk about this morning. The unlikely. Who would have imagined? And let me say this before we go there. Look to John 4 again. John 4 and verse 39. John 4 and verse 39. Let's go back to John 4. And let's see a little bit of the result of what came from this woman speaking up for Christ. Look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And he said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Folks, you know what? This one woman, this one convert, went to share with the men of the city and, and others about what Christ had done for her and that he was the Christ. And lo and behold, you know something? Folks got saved. Many folks got saved. Because of a woman? Because of a woman who opened her mouth, even, if you will, as a missionary for folks that needed to hear Christ. Let's see the last one. Look with me to Luke 16. Luke 16. We're talking about the unlikely missionaries. And don't tell me that those men weren't surprised at the change in that woman's life. An unlikely missionary, just like the maniac of Gadara, just like Saul of Tarsus, and lastly, just like the fourth unlikely missionary is the rich man in hell. In Luke 16 and 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and, and, see and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things and likewise um, Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Now let me help you understand this. This man didn't go to hell because he was rich. <clears throat> he went to hell because he rejected Christ. He rejected the goodness of God. You know, the, the beggar had nothing, but he had Christ. And he died with nothing but Christ, but died and went to heaven. The rich man died, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off. You know what? He was looking for mercy now, but he had forsaken mercy in his lifetime. When you die and go to hell, any chance for mercy is gone. It's gone forever. And let me say this, nobody in hell comes out of hell until the final judgment of God in the book of the Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. This man is in hell, and he's thinking, well, you know what? Something, you know, he, he's concerned about someone. Let's read on. <clears throat> Verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot... Neither can they pass to us that would come from that. Now, who would want to go to hell if you're in heaven? You know, that's about as silly as saying you can lose your salvation. Who would want to give up eternal life and the hope of heaven for hell? I've never run across anybody in their right mind who would want that. And yet I've had people say, well, I can, I can go to hell if I want to. <laughs> who wants to go to hell? How many of you want to go to hell? Any volunteers? Any takers? No. No, God offers us eternal life. But you know what? When you go to hell, you don't come out until an appointed time. 
You go to heaven, and you know what, folks? You'll never see hell. There's a great gulf. There's no way to pass from one place to the other. Verse 27, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him or Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brethren, and he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. Now, you know what? This man in hell developed a missionary spirit. He realized, I'm here, and there's no coming out. Look at Revelation 20. I want you to read it. Revelation 20. <clears throat> Revelation 20, 11. <clears throat> And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now it's Christ sitting on the throne, the face of Christ. They, they see Christ. They're going to be judged according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And understand this. That's the only time, the only time that the lost who die and go to hell, the, the Christ rejectors will come out of hell. It'll be for the final judgment of God to be cast into the lake of fire. Someone told me recently that they read a book about a guy who died and went to hell and came out and wrote a book. Never happened. It never happened. No one has come out of hell to write a book. But the God that created hell for the ungodly has written a book. God has written a book. We need to listen to what God has to say about all things, if you will, life, death, and eternity. You know what? <clears throat> I cringe when I hear people, you know, some people said, well, I died, went to heaven, came back, wrote a book. What about the book? What about God's book? Amen? And Jesus, if you, if you look in Luke 16 again, look at Luke 16. <clears throat> the rich man wanted to send Lazarus, a, uh, he wanted a miracle to happen by sending Lazarus back from the dead to go and talk to his family. He says in verse 28, For I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. What is he talking about? The word of God. From Genesis to Malachi, they had the written word of God at that time. God was, would in time inspire more of his word through the apostles and what have you. But up until this time, he, they have Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament. He says, let them hear them. And he, said, and he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead, they will repent. If you'll send him back, if you'll only perform a miracle. You know, it won't be long here. In the, in the next few weeks, we're going to celebrate, if you will, Easter, which is a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ did and has already risen from the dead. And people have known it, they've been taught it, and yet they will not repent. Because they don't believe God's word. I've never seen Christ risen from the dead. Except in the scripture. Amen. And the Bible says it. If they hear not Moses and the prophets. Neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. <clears throat> Romans 10. Romans 10. <clears throat> And if you will look at verse 8. <clears throat> but what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. What is the gospel? In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul declares unto us the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We're saved by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for our sin, not by our works, but what he's done for us. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by, uh, if you will, miracles. Christ did so many miracles when he was alive. Faith doesn't come by miracles, but by the word of God. Amen? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God contains the gospel of Jesus Christ. It shows us Christ as, as God in the flesh. Christ as God, the one and only Savior. Christ as God, the one that will save you if you let him and trust him. And folks, when you get saved by the grace of God, immediately every one of us should desire and strive to share the truth of the gospel and what Christ has done for us with others. With others. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, look at verse 26. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and every member. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto his wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. To God be the glory, great things he has done. We don't save ourselves, he saves us by his grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul writing to the elders in Ephesus in Acts 20 and 21, testifying both of the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what an amazing thing. We talked about just four, four unlikely missionaries. The apostle Paul, who was a Saul of Tarsus, who would have imagined that he would get saved, let alone be a great missionary, and yet he was. What about the maniac of Gadara, a man who's just about blown his whole life? He's redeemed, he's forgiven, he's delivered from the bondage of his sin and Satan, and he goes out to tell people, as the Lord sent him out, to tell people how great things the Lord had done for him. The woman at the well said, Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And if you will, the, the rich man in hell. He, listen, he sinned away his day of grace. He's in hell, but I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in hell make, probably can think of someone that they love, that they don't want to come to that place of torment. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you saved? Are you saved by the grace of God? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know if you died right now, you'd be with the Lord? 1 John 5. <clears throat> Let's begin in verse 11. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record, talking about the word of God, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. When was the day you saw yourself lost, a sinner in need of a Savior, 
And in repentance, you turn from your sin to Christ with all your heart, trusting him and him alone to save you by his grace. And folks, you know what? When that happens, you will never be the same again. You will never be the same again. Amen? Never. Now, are you saved? And if you are, if you are, are you being a missionary for the Lord? You say, well, I'm not a preacher. God didn't call women to preach. Amen. So Laura, I could see the look. She's thinking, I, but what about me? She's not saying that. But what about you? No. Women aren't called. But how many, how many a woman has the Lord used to reach lost people for Jesus Christ? Amen. How many moms and grandma, grandmas have helped reach their own families for Christ. Don't sell yourself short. And what about the, the man whose life seems to be a disaster? He gets saved by the grace of God. And you know, who would have imagined the maniac? But he went out and told people the great things that God had done for him. And all men did marvel. Well, why not? If they knew anything about this man and his life before, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, and such were some of you. Are you saved? First and foremost, you need to be sure you're saved. But if you are, what are you doing to share with others the great things that God has done for you? Folks, one of the reasons for our being here, not just today, but alive today and the days to come, is so that God can use us to speak to other people for him, for their sake. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.